YC is very, very good at is making sure you know what to focus on, that you know, you focus on the right things and that you only focus on the right things. And they're just amazing at making you do that. So it's, it's obviously a great experience for the company. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, Upwest, and Hippo Insurance. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 195. I'm honored to be joined today by Ayal Yogev, the co-founder and CEO of Anjuna Security. Ayal is the CEO of Anjuna and has been building enterprise security products for over 20 years. He was previously VP of Product Management at SafeBreach, a Sequoia-backed enterprise security startup, and led the Umbrella Product Management team at OpenDNS, which was acquired by Cisco for $635 million. Ayal held senior PM positions at Lookout and Imperva, and was a part of Imperva's IPO in 2011. He holds an MBA from UC Berkeley and a BSc in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science from Tel Aviv University. Ayal hey, Yogev, thank you so much for being on my show. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Of course. So incredible journey that I can't wait to, to dive into, whether it's from uh, you know, starting a company, which you're doing now, to being a VP product at a startup. But before that, being in a corporate like Cisco and that whole transition. But even before that, uh, drawing on your, when you say your first entrepreneurial experience, so commanding uh, one of the most prestigious uh, uh, computer courses in, in the Israel Defense Forces, which I think uh, it's an incredible take to, to look at it from an entrepreneurial perspective. So I can't wait to hear about that. But before everything, Eyal, we have to talk a little bit about Survivor because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge, huge fan. It's been a dream since I'm like six years old to be on Survivor. Why, why do you love the show? I love the, I love the game. It's, it's such a, um, you know, smart and fun game. And basically you throw, um, you know, you throw a bunch of people, you know, onto an island, they have to, and again, it's not about the, you know, it's not about the, um, you know, all these, uh, competitions that they do it's about the sort of the social game and how do you get people to sort of follow you and eventually you know you essentially you know you know you you vote them out you do all these things and eventually you need to them to vote for you and how you handle the social it's just phenomenal i think it's it's exactly it's it's it's, it's such an incredible game because it, because like you're saying a lot of people are enjoying the challenges and the drama it's not about that it's about this whole idea of how do you go through a journey and it's not and and reaching the finals is not enough right because then you have to have the jury come people that you blindsided and you voted out coming in and, exactly. and I don't want to give any spoilers to people but I'll give a small one there is a player on the on the American Caesar series who I believe got to second place twice or three times over the 40 seasons so they brought this player back because he was so entertaining and he's very very intelligent he runs I believe a fuel company in the US but he only managed to get second place exactly for that reason because he missed out on that other whole aspect of the game. Uh, exactly. So we have much more to talk about. I'm actually now watching the 37th season and I'm loving it, but uh, we'll have to catch up a little bit later about that. Eyal, take me back to your journey. Who are you uh, way before you started a cybersecurity company here in the United States? Sure. So I guess very, very quickly, I started my journey in the uh, you know Israeli intelligence uh, forces. Um, um, and basically I, uh, I joined, you know, I was in unit 8200, um, hopefully I can uh, say that on the, uh, on the podcast. Um, and essentially what I've, uh, I've been there for about uh, six years and I guess my last, um, uh, sort of the last thing I did there was running uh, a course, um, 
as you said, it was one of the, again, it's a course that I probably wouldn't have gone into as, you know, as an 18 year old, <laughs> but I was sort of lucky enough to be, uh, to be part of, uh, essentially, uh, sort of starting it. It was the, um, I was very involved since the first, um, you know, the first, uh, the first one and got to be the, oh, really? of the fifth one. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I was basically wow. a teacher. Yeah, I was a teacher in the first and second one, and then I uh, I was um, commanding the uh, the fifth one. So again, it was an amazing experience. And what's very unique about this uh, the specific uh, and we can kind of dive deeper into that. Uh, but what's unique is that it it uh, basically involves a lot of different units within the Israeli intelligence community, which is extremely unique for for any course. Which again poses a bunch of you know unique challenges that you don't see in other courses in terms of. Uh, yeah, and again, we can kind of go into but there's just uh, so much sort of politics behind it. Everybody wants to get the best people, out, you know, uh, that they come in, but they don't necessarily want to give the resources because you know, if I say, oh, the, this other unit needs to give the resources, right? Um, now, Al, just for context, because a lot of people that are watching this from outside of Israel may not realize, but you know, this this specific course in general, the, the army does a really great job at at creating this filter of 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 you know they're starting out that they're trying they're they're getting anybody who might be remotely interested in computer science going through a series of tests just as comprehensive, if not more, than the college applications to Stanford, MIT, or Harvard. It's really remarkable the way that they're doing it. At the end, you reach a cohort of just a few dozen people out of thousands. Uh, and it's sort of, a, it's like this childhood dream if before people dreamt of being pilots and dreamt of being, you know, in the elite combat units. Now, a lot of people are dreaming about get, getting to the course specific one that you helped initiate and, and that you commanded its fifth, fifth iteration. And so that's also why people that are in the course, they're so sought after into all the other units because these are some of the most brilliant minds. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, being 23, getting thrown into this responsibility of leading this course. And, you, and you're saying that this is sort of like your first entrepreneurial journey, right? Yes, exactly. Well, I guess I, I, it's, it's, as I but part of this was the fact that you're, you have to, you know, again, you're 23 years, um, you know, years old, you're not extremely senior in terms of how, you know, you're, um, um, you know your rank, but then you have to deal with all these extremely, you know, senior people. The, um, right. you know, the, the the head of the steering committee for the course is the, um, um, you know, the uh, second in command in Unit Eighty Two Hundred, and you have to deal with, you know, all these people that are basically, you know, ten levels, you know, higher than you are yeah. uh, from all these different units. And again, you need and you need to make sure that. And one one thing is they they sort of give you this. You know, you can do whatever you want, right? You can right. do, you can pretty much, you know, they obviously on the technical side, none of these people really have any idea of what you're doing. You know, right. you know, way better than, than they are. Uh, but also just in terms of you're sort of thrown in this, you know, remote uh, location that's not in it, within one of the, the bases. And you can pretty much, you know, you have all this freedom to, 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 to get people ready and do what you need to do to get them ready for their, uh, you know, for their, um, uh, for their service. Um but the other thing is the resources, just getting the resources that you need, getting everything, you know, pulling together uh, uh, the things that you need from all these different units. That was, again, it was an amazing experience, but it taught me a lot about how to handle, you know, large organizations, how to handle, you know, politics, how to work with, you know, people who are not, right. you know, obviously don't report to you, but are also much more senior than you. Right. It was, again, an amazing experience. You know, I probably, um, you know. I think some of the gray hair that I have now, you know, it's probably due to that, you know, experience, but it was, it was amazing. And the, the one even more amazing thing is that actually I uh, met my wife. Uh, she was actually running the uh, recruitment process for this wow. course. And that's how we met. 
Oh, that's just beautiful. And that, that's wonderful. But, you know, the, the course itself, it, it's not just another programming course. There's a lot of courses out there. It's not like taking a class at, at MIT and it's not like going to a summer program to learn how to code. This is a very intensive period where you, as the commander of the course, don't just have the professional responsibility for the, for the people going through it, but you're really responsible for their livelihoods over a course of a few months. They're relocated to another area and, and they look at you as the commander in charge. And like you're mentioning, at 23, you're given responsibility that a lot of people in, that are 10 ranks uh, above you, that, that's the responsibility that they've been working for for a long, for a long time. So, so definitely, I, I totally appreciate uh, what, what you're doing there. And I, and I helped teach uh, quite a bit in, in different courses, not, not the specific one, but it's a, it's a remarkable experience. Eyal, you transitioned to, to the United States. You do an MBA at Berkeley. You're, joining, uh, you're, you're at Cisco and you're transitioning from there towards another startup. Talk to me a little bit about, about that transition, or if you want even, even want to go before to another startup you worked at, which was acquired by Cisco. Sure. So, yeah, basically, yeah, this is going, uh, since after I um, you know, left the, the military, I, um, I went to work for um, a bunch of startups. And I was always, you know, you have this sort of, um, and again, now at a startup, when uh, at Cisco, you interview a lot of people. And you see that some people, you know, are more startup people and some people love, you know, the bigger companies. Right. And, you know, some, some people sort of, you know, like both. And it's, it's a lot, there's no sort of right and wrong there. It's, you know, your personality, what you like doing. And, you know, what, one of the things I always ask people is, you know, why they want to join us is, you know, why, why startup? And what I, part of it is just making sure that they understand, you know, what that is. Uh, and part of it to make sure it's a good fit. And I, you know, again, maybe it was that experience. Maybe it was just, you know, friends. I knew that startups was probably kind of the right thing for me. I ended up working for a few startups. Very early in my career, I worked for a startup that got acquired by IBM. And that even sort of reinforced my sort of thinking that a big, you know, a big company is probably not for me. Um, um, even though, again, I think IBM was very, again, there's a lot of great things to say about IBM, but the, the culture, you know, wasn't a great fit for me at the time. Uh, and then I decided to come here to the U.S. and basically get my MBA at Berkeley. Um, and that was, to me, a way to, um, you know, move to, to to the barrier where sort of everything happens. It was a really, really great way to come in. And obviously, as somebody that grew up in Israel and, you know, worked in Israeli, again, it was tech companies that, you know, did most of the business in the U.S., but I didn't really have a strong U.S. network. And this was just a great way to come to the barrier, build a network here. Uh, and that was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, and after doing that, I worked at a, at a couple of startups here in the U.S. Um, the, um, the the second one I worked for was a company called OpenDNS. Uh, and about a year, you know, in, uh, we got acquired by Cisco. And again, I remember, you know, getting the uh, the email from the CEO saying, you know, uh, Cisco is acquiring us. It was, uh, I think, I was, um, I don't know why I woke up like very early that morning and suddenly saw the the email in my inbox. And I remember thinking, you know, I got it's going to be the sort of the IBM experience <laughs> all over again. Uh, but it ended up being uh, being amazing. Um, uh, Cisco is very, very good at uh, acquiring companies. I think it's one of the companies that acquired, you know, most uh, most companies went through the most M&A um, um, uh, ever. And it was just a phenomenal experience. Wow. And it got me sort of the view of what it's like to work in this very, very large organization. Um, and again, I can talk a lot about sort of the, you know, how, how well they sort of uh, merged us into the organization and how uh, our CEO ended up becoming the uh, head of, uh, you know, an SVP and the GM for security at Cisco, which again, obviously... What is one thing that you experienced which was very positive 
in the mergers and acquisitions because you know I a, lo- a lot of the people that I talked to on the show they've gone through these different uh, mergers and acquisitions. It sounds like the majority of them aren't as successful as people hope them to be, right? And obviously, it's, it's extremely difficult and complicated process, not just you know technologically and professionally, but also in terms of the culture because you're going from a small startup, uh, even you know even a hundred people is, is tiny compared to thousands of people at a, a larger organization. When all of a sudden you have a new identity, so what was one thing that you found really helpful in your transition? Yeah, the, the one thing I think Cisco did very, very well, and I think IBM, so that's where they, they missed. Um, Cisco basically gave us the autonomy and, and they didn't sort of come in and told us, you know, this is what you need to do. You need to change everything to be Cisco. They gave us, and again, eventually it happened over, you know, a, a number of years. Uh, but they sort of came in and, and nothing changed in the beginning. We still had our sort of same reporting structure. We still had the autonomy that we had. There were a lot of things that I'm sure were very difficult for Cisco to sort of to agree to because they're sort of very different in how they do things. I'm sorry, but they didn't they didn't really change any of that. They allowed us to continue doing everything as, as, as we did. And to some extent, the, the, their approach was, you know, you guys have built something very, very successful. You guys are doing something amazing. We want to come in and learn from you. And they changed a lot of their, you know, uh, you know I, what I did there as I was running uh, uh, the product management organization for Umbrella, which was the, the, the leading product that we had. And they were basically saying, you know, we want to learn from you. How do you guys run product? And I ended up getting a bunch of other product groups reporting into me from Cisco. Uh, you know, the ScanSafe group ended up reporting into my organization. The, 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 they basically said, you know, you guys know how to do this. You guys okay. have built a very, very successful company, which, again, was I think was a very, very smart way uh, of doing things. Right. Uh, so then you're transitioning from Cisco and, and, and I'd love to make sure we have enough time to also talk about the current startup that you're running because now you've transitioned after being at a few startups, being at a few corporates, uh, being a commander in the IDF, you're now starting your own company. So tell me a little bit about Anjuna Security and, and some of the insights that you've gained throughout the process of starting this company. Sure. So... Um... I guess to to a lot of my my what I did throughout my career was getting sort of ready for this. I always knew I wanted to start my own company, and a lot of what I did was sort of geared through that. Even you know, in my MBA, I did my internship at a VC firm just to mm. sort of see what the other side of the table sort of looks like, yeah, and learn from that. So after Cisco, I went to be a, a VP product at a Series A startup at the time, Series B startup now, uh, to sort of see what it's like to be an executive at a startup and get that uh, that experience as well. Very um, cool. And then um, I was sort of, um, my time there was sort of cut short because uh, a friend of mine that I knew from the, you know, for the Israeli intelligence days, I was actually a teacher at the, uh, uh, at the course I was a uh, commander of, he reached out to me and he just finished his PhD at Stanford, uh, working with uh, Professor Dan Bonet that you might know. Of course. Uh, um, so he, uh, he basically researched this uh, um, uh, this uh, something, it's funny, this, it was this huge, huge security problem. Uh, that we both knew about in the Israeli uh, military intelligence. And, and to sort of say it in one sentence is that you can't secure data and use it at the same time. Every time data is being used, it's essentially not, you know, it's not being secured because it has to be in the, in the clear in memory. Um, and I, I kind of ran into that problem again and again throughout, you know, going in the private sector as well. So at OpenDNS, at Cisco, in a lot of places, I ran into how big that problem was. And he actually found a solution for that problem during his PhD with Dan Bonet. So we ended wow. up, you know, joining forces and starting a company to to actually solve this problem. Wow! So so you are, you became a co-founder of this company, right? 
and and you joined. So so what wh- what's actually happening now? Where is the where is the company in the life cycle of of a traditional startup? Sure. So uh, this was so this was about two and a half years ago. We uh, the first thing we did was you know. Uh, uh, start talking to as many, you know, potential customers as is possible to sort of understand if, you know, if we, we got the right problem. Once we had enough information, we basically built a board, you know, a deck and started pitching this to investors. Uh, we ended up uh, getting uh, uh, both a seed round. So we raised a $3 million seed as well as gone into Y Combinator. Amazing. Uh, and we got, and when we did that, it's funny, it was the same week that we got the, you know, the term sheet for the investment and the, wow. you know, uh, uh, the call from IC, which was um, again a very a after, after, well, it was a good week after you know some very difficult you know a couple of months. It was a very good week, um, and yeah, since then we grew the company. Uh, we raised uh, um, you know a significant Series A, and we're now uh, basically a you know a company of twenty people. Um, wow. that's yeah, working. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yeah. Y Combinator because that's something that you know almost every startup sees as. Like the glory of of programs to go through to accelerate your your growth, what was that experience like going through it? Yeah, YC is, is amazing. It's basically a startup school. It's um, you know obviously it helped the company a lot. What YC is very very good at is making sure you know what to focus on. That you know you focus on the right things and that you only focus on the right things. And they're just amazing at making you do that. So it's, it's obviously a great experience for the company. For the company, sorry, but it's also an amazing school for the, you know, for me as an entrepreneur, just to, you know, to, 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 you know, doing it is very, very different than seeing it from the sidelines. And again, I've seen it from the, you know, I was sort of part of it as, you know, as an exec, I was part of it as an employee. I was, you know, I was looking at all from the outside, you know, as, uh, again, doing the internship at a VC, uh, but nothing sort of gets you, you know, nothing, you know, you know, nothing helps you get actually ready, like, and really understanding what you're going to, you know, go through as an entrepreneur. Uh, and the one thing that kind of does it the best is YC. They've, they're really doing a really, really great job. Uh, and the last thing uh, that YC is doing is, and I think you, you probably heard this a lot, this is not becoming a cliche, but being an entrepreneur is an extremely lonely job. There's really no one that you can, you know, talk to at the, again, with your investors, you have a great relationship. You can talk to them about a lot of things. But again, you need to be you need to be very thoughtful about you know what do you tell them, what do you you know and how you tell them things. If you have sort of you know very uh, sort of existential, you know you, you can't really share you know uh, uh, things like that. And sort of the same with your employees, right? You want to shield them with a lot of these sort of ups and downs that you might be you know that you might be experiencing. And what's nice about YC is that you get this sort of cohort of other founders. That you can share all these things with sure. that is extremely, extremely helpful. Right. No, no, a hundred percent. So what was, what was the, probably the most helpful event within YC? Was it the, the network that you were creating there? Was it the goal setting? Uh, where, I mean, I'm guessing that it was primarily the founding team that took part of it, right? Not, not necessarily the rest of the employees as actively. No, it was just me and my co-founder. And, um, this was basically, we, we started YC extremely early in the company's journey. Again, as we were getting the term sheet for, you know, the seed, uh, we got into YC at the same week. So it was basically, and it's, well, YC is essentially only for uh, for the founders. And it was me and my co-founder that went through this. Um, in terms of what we got from it, there's, um, one is the, the YC network is, is phenomenal. You know, as you're part of the YC network, you can pretty much, 
it's kind of like we emailed the founders of Airbnb and got a response back within minutes. Like it's, it's just this wow. you know, amazing network of, of founders uh, that is just phenomenal. Um, and also YC continues, uh, yeah, again, they, they helped us sort of understand, you know, what we need to focus on, make sure we're focused on it. You get these sort of by, you know, you, you work with, you know, two partners on a very, very, you know, you know, throughout the program and they, they sort of help you, you know, reach the milestones that you need to reach, right. uh, but also they continue to help you after you come out of YC. And you can, you know, you're still part of, the, uh, part of the network. You can still do office hours. You can still talk to people, you know, whenever you want. Plus, they have these uh, growth programs as well. They have something called the Series A program that we actually didn't go through. We actually are um, sort of lucky to get uh, to be preempted for our Series A. Wow. Uh, but they do help companies in raising their Series A and getting ready to raise their Series A. They also have a growth program that help companies once they reach about 50 people on, you know, growing the company uh, since then. So YC keeps helping you you know, throughout the life cycle of the company. And obviously they've seen probably more, you know, startups than anyone else. Right. So they can do a really good job at helping you there. Yeah, that's just phenomenal. Yeah, best of luck with the startup. It sounds incredible. And uh, and I just love, uh, you know, this this journey that you that you went on and and you really got to taste so many different parts of the tech ecosystem. And, and the fact that you're saying that a lot of these experiences were geared towards preparing you for this incredible journey that you're on now. I think that's just really uh, that's just a really awesome way of looking at it, and and the way that you're talking about you know your experience as the commander of of that course in the IDF, uh, I think it, it it totally resonates, and I think it's part of the magic of Startup Nation, part of the magic that also Eric Schmidt talks about a lot, and and the book obviously Startup Nation talks about that. It's this innovation through necessity, and you know when you think about commanding a course in the IDF, you don't necessarily think about you know you think about the professional side of it and the mentorship, but but you're presenting this whole other side of you had to innovate your network to innovate politics in order to make sure that this works. Al, before we leave, I want to thank you for being so generous of your time. What are three words that you would use to describe yourself? Sure. So, uh, well, you gave me a minute before we started to, uh, you know, to, to, to yeah. think. Um, so, yeah, I think the the, the three words um, I would use are um, one is, is passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is curious. And I really believe in the sort of student always mentality. I think you're always, you know, you can always get better. You can always, you know, learn more. And I, I, I love 100%. learning new things. Uh, and the last one is uh, um, uh, empathetic. Why is that? Explain that a little bit more. I, I think one of the best things, especially, you know, regardless, obviously, as a manager, but, but definitely as an entrepreneur, the, the one th- important thing you build is not necessarily the product, it's the company. And a huge piece of building a company is the culture that you build. And one of the things I'm focusing on the, the most is how do I build the right culture? How do I build a culture that, you know, I would have wanted to be a part of? And again, working for a lot of startups, I think I've seen sort of better cultures and sort of worse cultures. And it got me thinking a lot about what culture I want to build. And I want to, to have a place where people, you know, enjoy, you know, enjoy being a part of that, you know. And, and to me, it's all about, I think, that, actually, let me, let me tell a little story, which I think is sort of the best way to, to think about this. Um, I, I, I was sort of lucky to meet Eric Yuan, the founder of Zoom. Uh, on a couple of occasions uh, in sort of small group settings. And he talks about the culture that he's building. And you see all these companies with like, you know, the company, you know, values, like these seven things that they put on the wall. And it's like super, you know, right. I think nobody nobody reads it. Nobody remembers it. He said, and we sort of adopted it that are, you know, at Anjuna as well. He's saying the one, you know, uh, company value that they have is care. 
I said, it's, you know, caring about the employees, caring about the customers, caring about, you know, uh, uh, your investors. It's, it's the one thing. And, and every time I sort of go back to the decision to, to, make, uh, to, to make, I kind of go back to that and thinking about that. And I think that's an extremely important, important piece of, uh, you know, building a company. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you very much. This was just, uh, this was just wonderful. Best of luck. Okay. Thank you.